The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it fly! And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Go! It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. You know what I'd like to see tomorrow? I'd like to see Frankie Montas go six strong innings and get him like nine runs. So all of us can sit on our couch and not have to sweat. How about the first laugher of the year? How about a 9-1 victory? Pitch to Ramon, swung on a ground ball into right field for a base hit. That'll score Davis. Piscotti's around third. He will score. The throw goes to third. In there safely is Murphy and diving into second, taking the extra base is Lariano. And the A's have taken a 2-1 to lead. Now the 0-1 pitch on the way to Chad. A breaky ball is laced into center for a base hit. That'll score two runs, and the A's take a 6-1 to lead. 0-2, fly ball to left. Back on it goes Marmaleos at the track, at the wall, and it is gone. Chris Davis, welcome to 2020. 2-2. Fastball bounce on the left side for the shortstop, Simeon. Gloves, steps, throws, one, two, three. Seven in a row retired by Montas. Uh, seven strong tonight with nine strikeouts. Now ground ball to Barreto. He throws the first. This game is over. And the A's take three out of four. At this early juncture, they lead the American League West by half game over the Astros. Our final, the A's 11, and the Mariners 1. Well, well, well. Nostra Towny last, yeah, yesterday on A's Cast Live. As I said, we need a laugher. We need a game, and you know, and I'll tell you what a laugher is for me. A laugher is when the game's so in doubt that I stop keeping score, where I can just sit back and say, I'm going to enjoy this one, and I stop keeping score after the, I don't remember what inning, but I it was nice to sit there and watch a ball game. That's exactly what the ball club needed. And then you get Jesus Lazardo tonight. Are you kidding me? What a day for A's baseball. Yes, when I open up my baseball packet and I look at all the notes, I see that the Oakland Athletics are in first place by a half game. We have never, well, let's just say in recent years, haven't seen the Astros be this vulnerable. They're vulnerable. I mean, every every guy in their bullpen is 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 like a rookie. Verlander's out. Cole's in New York. Wade Miley's gone. I mean, it's Grinky and who? We haven't seen them be this vulnerable since we were calling them the Lastros. Remember that fun game we used to play? Hashtag Lastros. This, I, this is exciting. 
50 games at right? Commander, how are you today? I'm good, and I'm glad that game was a laugher, and I was able to find that audio from uh, the A's Clubhouse show from Sunday evening. So it shows you I was up – well, actually, it was a Sunday day, so it wasn't that late. But uh, great to see the win, but you're right about the uh, Astros being vulnerable. We I just read earlier today there's reports that uh, Ro- uh, Roberto Azuna, their closer, might have to have Tommy John surgery. So that's another oh, guy. He's on the IL, right? Yeah, so that's another guy they might lose. Uh, it's funny, the guy, Brandon Bailey, that the A's traded for Ramon Laureano is actually pitching for the Astros this year. That just shows you how many rookies they have going for the Astros behind McCullers and Granke and Urquidy, and I don't know who else even pitches for them because they're all a bunch of rookies that even I have never heard of. This is what we got going today. Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic. She's followed every pitch of Jesus Lazardo's through the minor leagues. We'll talk to her at 3.30. You remember outfielder David Murphy of the Texas Rangers? Well, he's now doing Rangers pre- and post-game on Fox Sports Southwest. We'll join us at 4 o'clock. We will reminisce about 2012. Trust me. And then the manager of the greatest offense known to man. No offense has been had more firepower. No offense was more dangerous than the Las Vegas Aviators, led by the great Fran Reardon. And the manager is literally right now like five minutes from me because he's at the alternate site, San Jose Municipal Baseball Stadium, the home of the San Jose Giants and San Jose State Baseball. So we will check in with Fran. What are they doing? Because... Let's face it, this isn't a baseball complex. It's the same problem Ryan Christensen had with the A's is the same problem they're having here. You got one diamond. It's not like you're down in Mason. You got eight, ten fields, whatever they got down there. You got one, and you got a bunch of, you know, they got one batting cage. And you got a bunch of guys that got to get work in. And they're playing games against each other, which is great. There are a lot of things to watch for on this Tuesday. Just not Jesus Lazardo making his first career start. Joe Adele, the big-time prospect for the Angels, has been called up. This guy supposedly, I mean, you want to talk about tools? Well, if you got Trout, Otani, Adele, and all that, I mean, they've got, they got no pitching. But they got a lot of guys with tools, I can tell you that. Uh, Welcome back and congratulations to Mike Trout and his wife. As, do they have a boy or a girl? They had a boy because his initials are Bat. I I figured they named the the son. Oh, Beckham Aaron Trout. Yeah. Who's your dad? Yeah, my dad's Mike Trout. We've got Lance Lynn on the bump tonight for the Rangers. If And he's been throwing great, 12 scoreless so far in 2020. It's not going to be easy tonight. He, he's looking for his 100th career win. He's sneaky good. Now, you don't really think about it. Like, when you say, but 100 wins in the big leagues? That's a, that's a, that's a pretty big accomplishment. I remember him from when he pitched with the Cardinals. And he was a guy putting up an ERA under four. Then he's put up ERAs under three. And then he had Tommy John surgery in 2016. And then last year, he kind of came out of nowhere after pitching with the Yankees and the Twins. Um, I guess you could say he beefed up a little bit. It looked like he beefed up a little more going into this year. Uh, but last year, 246 strikeouts. And, and he uh, had a high war with the Rangers. Him and 
Mike Miner had like two of the highest wars in baseball because all they did was strike everybody out. But uh, hundred career wins if he gets it, which hopefully not tonight. But if he gets there, cool. it's a good accomplishment for him yeah. for a guy that a lot of people a lot of people forget, like myself, that he's he was really good really uh, early in his career. I, I and and I, I we we could probably go through the list, but you know this game's been played for over 150 years. Most people don't win 100 games. That's a pretty damn good accomplishment. Uh, and for I I don't know Cody if it's just me, but I just it's like all the national guys are just so doom and gloom and negative about COVID-19. And I know COVID-19 is horrible. You don't want to get it. But I've been trying to, we can play a season. And this is a great example. Austin Meadows and Juan Soto are making their season debuts. Both guys had COVID-19. Jesus Lazardo on the mound tonight had COVID-19. Jesus Lazardo was asymptomatic. He was able to still throw when he quarantined. We can get this season in. We just got to keep guys from doing dumb stuff and breaking protocol. No bars, no restaurants, no strip clubs, no casinos, no hotel bar. They'll bring you alcohol to your room if you need it. Wear a mask, wash your hands, carry, carry hand sanitizer, social distance. And we can get this thing in. And when these young athletes get it, for the most part, I mean, the only guy, there's been like two, Freddie Freeman and there was somebody else, so they had a fever. It's, you know, it's for these younger guys, if you if you do feel it, it's kind of like, it's like having the flu. But Freddie Freeman, remember, he was like, oh my God, it was so bad. He's, he's, he's He hasn't missed a beat. These guys get it, quarantine them. They then test negative twice. They're back on the field. But have you noticed, I mean, like, even like Buster only from the start, I mean, these guys have just been, I mean, it's really two organizations because they had people do dumb stuff. The most, most of baseball, they're doing, they're doing good. They're doing the right thing. Yeah. Another guy, we, another guy that had it too is Tyler Glass now. And he's already pitched a few times this year. And he's, yeah, he's he, back around a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. He's back to how he was. And, um, the Marlins are playing the Orioles tonight. You're seeing a, a battle of potential two first place potential two first place teams. Yeah. Marlins are back playing, and, and let and let me remind everybody: the last time the Marlins were on the field and a bunch of guys had COVID, they scored 11 runs. You know, there's certain people we really have to protect, and it's it's people who are older and people who are, have, have underlying issues. But a healthy 25-year-old, if he gets it, most likely quarantine him for two weeks. He'll be back on the field. I don't know why. it's it, And it's almost like some people have been rooting for it. Like David Price, who opted out on Twitter, sounded like he's, you know. Uh, but, yeah, Marlins are playing. Jesus Cesaro's on the mound. Meadows, Soto, back playing. That's good news. We should celebrate that. There's a lot so of that's a lot. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Obviously, there's a lot of other good stories going on in baseball right now, too. Um, Bob Townsend's Padres keep winning. The Rockies keep winning, which is incredible. They came with a big comeback win against the Giants yesterday. The only sad thing I've seen is the uh, the horrible injury that Mike Soroka from the Braves suffered last night, the torn or the uh, ruptured Achilles tendon. Not even an arm injury, 
Uh, and I saw the graphic on a movie now earlier. It's like they brought Ben Lindbergh on, and they were talking about the pitching injuries. And it's like if you're talking about Soroka, it has nothing to do with uh, an arm injury. It was just a fluke injury could have happened to anybody on the mound falling, going after a, you know going after a ball. But you're right. The Marlins are back tonight against the Orioles, which is good to see. Those are two teams that nobody thought were going to be any good. Uh, the Marlin the Marlins are two and one, and the Orioles are five and three, and in second place because the Yankees just don't lose. How uh, about my Cubs? They they go they go tonight. Kyle Hendricks is on the mound. The the professor, as they call him, uh, he's like the they've, they've won four in a row. They're eight and two. Rossi. Yeah, I, I as you know, when we bonded with David Ross down at the winter meetings in San Diego in the bar. Oh, uh, you know we'd be pulling for our, our good friend David Ross. Even they are playing our good friend. They are playing our friend uh, multi-hit wit in the in the Royals who are struggling this year. But we saw the Twins already annihilate the Pirates today, seven to three, and there was a drone delay in the game. Apparently, there was something with the. I think I don't know if a drone flew on uh, was stuck on the field or something, but there was a delay during the game today for between Pirates and uh, Twins. Well, Tr- Trevor Bauer wasn't there. What, what do you mean? Uh, I don't know. I. I People are texting me about it. There was uh, Minnesota players are forced to leave the field in the middle of an inning when a, while a drone flies over Target Field. So there's a drone flying over the baseball stadium. Yeah, that's Minnesota. a no-no. That is a no-no. Uh, some surprises early on here. The Tampa Bay Rays are 0-5 on the road. They're just 4-6. and They've lost five in a row. The Red Sox are 3-7. and They've lost three in a row. The Cleveland Indians got out to a hot start. They've now fallen back one and four on the road, and they've lost four in a row. The Angels stink because they can't get anybody out. Otani's done. I did have the note on the broadcast yesterday about 2018 hurts the elbow. They know he's got to have Tommy John. He continued to hit and had over a thousand OPS, like seven bombs. So he can still hit with a hurt elbow, but their pitching is just in shambles. Let's see, going down the line here, uh, Cody, your Mets uh, are one and four at home and just four and seven. They got a win for Jacob DeGrom yesterday, though. That's all I care about. Six innings, 10 strikeouts, two runs. The Mets finally get a win for Jacob DeGrom in 2020. <laughs> the Nationals, the world champs, are three and four. The Phillies are one and three. They got a lot of games to make up. Cardinals, they're going to have a ton to make up. They're just two and three. And then you look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. There's their people, you know, our 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 good friend Mike Farron. They they thought that the if there was a team that was going to challenge the Dodgers in the West, because the Dodgers have won uh, the division, is it seven straight? They're looking for eight. Yeah, they won seven straight. Okay, so. People thought it was the D-backs. I didn't hear anybody talking about the the rock pile and Bob Townsend's Padres. And the Padres took down the Dodgers yesterday. So the West is Rocky 7 and 2, Dodgers 7 and 4, Padres 7 and 4. And actually the Giants at 5 and 6. I I, I I got to applaud Farhan and Kapler. I, you know, when we saw that roster, you're like, I mean, they're throwing all those pitchers at the A's. They threw what, 18 pitchers at the A's? You're like, who are these guys? Yeah. Uh, they're still throwing Ooh. a lot of pitchers. 
but they're getting really? a lot. They're getting a lot of hitting from Mike Yastrzemski and Donovan Solano, or as he's now known as Donnie Barrels, is what they call him. Apparently, those are the guys hitting for him. The Diamondbacks have a minus twenty-five run differential. They're averaging like two point eight runs a game. The only that, team that, that's not good. Uh, the only other team that has a lower run differential is the Seattle Mariners, who also have a minus twenty-five run differential. Okay. Has a grandfather and grandson ever led the league in multiple categories? Has that ever happened before in a season in, in, in a season where a grandpa and a grandson led like war or RBIs or whatever? Has that ever happened in the history of baseball? Not that I can recall, because I can't even remember a lot of guys that had that had grandfathers that played in the league. Like, you know, you hear about fathers, but like I didn't hear about Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey's uh, well, he because he's junior. I didn't hear about I didn't hear about Kent another Ken Griffey or, you know, anything like that. But I, I think yesterday I saw people tweeting the like Kerry Crowley from the Mercury News that covers the Giants. I, th- I think Mike Yastrzemski might lead the National League in WAR, which yes. is incredible. Well, baby Yaz and Grandpa Yaz would be the first grandfather grandson combination to leave to lead statistics in a season. Because Yaz led in war like three times, the Hall of Famer. He was a nice player. He was a good player. He had a nice career. So that is pretty interesting. And I got to say, the love you threw Nick Castellanos under the bus. What day was that? Yesterday, because he can't play defense. He can hack it. Okay. Wow. I I couldn't believe. I, I, I wake up today. I turn on MLB Network. D-Row is doing a whole breakdown of his swing. Uh, Harold Reynolds is saying he's one of the best five hitters in the game. He's got the longest active hitting streak right now. Uh, Most extra base hits since the start of 2017. Who is it? Uh, It's Castellanos. He had like, what, 60 doubles last year almost? It's Castellanos and Francisco Lindor at 242. Nolan Arenado at 240. Mookie Betts and Charlie Blackman at 237. So most extra base hits since 2017. I, I, you know what I'm telling them? Don't bring a glove to the game. Don't, don't. We're not giving you a glove. Don't bring a glove. You're gonna DH. That's all you're gonna do. I would not. I would. I would. I would take his. I would. I would take his glove. Take it over to the metal trash can. Put lighter fluid. And light and light it on fire. You're never going. You're never playing the field again. He's in right tonight against the Indians and Shane Bieber. Is it really? Yeah, Jesse. Well, Wink- when- Jesse Winker's DHing. Uh, just just put him at DH, David Bell. I mean, you'll you'll help yourself out tremendously if you put him at DH. So obviously, when you have a ten game hitting streak, you've gotten a hit in every single game. I mean, his 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 OPS. So he's got a nine twelve slugging. He's got a 462 on base, and he's hitting 382. Yeah, 13, seven, uh, 1,373 uh, OPS. Is that any good? He is on a fire. But what I really want to talk about, and we're going to talk to Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic coming up here at 330, is we're all excited about Jesus Lazardo. There's no question. Not going to deny it. The talent is through the roof. My question is, how much are you going to allow that talent to shine? 
And what's the best way to utilize that talent? So Cody did a little research because the question I've been asking is he doesn't have a big body of work. He hasn't thrown a lot of innings. So how many innings are they going to allow him to go? Because if he's just going to go four. So, Cody, how many times has he gone seven innings in his career as a professional? Uh, the answer to that question would be none. He hasn't done it once? No, he's gone six innings twice. He went six innings in 2018 for AA Midland, and he went six innings last year with AAA Vegas. Both those starts, he had ten strikeouts in each of them, and one game he allowed a run, and the, the game with Vegas he didn't allow any runs. But he only went six innings twice. He had a bunch of five-inning games, but he's only gone over uh, – he's only pitched six full innings twice in the minors and in a uh, career 43 starts between the A's and Nationals organizations. That's my point. If they're going to baby him, which I guarantee they're going to do, I just – would I rather would I rather have him pitch five, six, seven, eight, and give the ball to Liam, or do I want to pitch one, two, three, four, and then now it's I I got five innings I got to cover with the bullpen. Like, what is the best way? And I know everybody's gonna say he's a starter. If he's not going six innings at all. Now, I understand early, like all these guys, you know, some guys have gone four. If they got to five, great. But when he gets a few starts in and he's not going and they're pulling him early, then he's really not a starter. He's a tandem guy. And we've talked about it, and I know people don't like this, but I'm telling you, if he only goes four and because you're, you're going to baby his arm, well, then, then, you know, I mean, he's, he's a tandem starter then. He's not a real starter. Now, if he can be efficient, maybe we can see five innings. But you're telling me only twice in his entire minor league career has he gone six innings. Yeah, twice. I went back and looked. Even when he pitched at the Nationals, he went, I think he had one. We went five. He went five innings, maybe five and two thirds. So twice. Now I'm with you. And we've talked about this a bunch about piggybacking and having him maybe pitch. Like an Andrew Miller role where he pitches multiple innings to get you to your closer like Andrew Miller did with the Rays. Remember, Andrew Miller, uh, there's no way, there's no play, but I said he stunk as a starter. And he was much better as a reliever. I'm not saying it's going to be Lazardo, but right now maybe you ease him into that role and you want him in the bullpen. Uh, Andrew, or uh, Adam Wainwright was a closer. or well, He had a couple saves, but he was a reliever before he became a starter. Derek Lowe was a reliever before he became a 20-game winner. We've seen it with David Price. We've seen it with Brandon Finnegan with the Royals when they went to the World Series. Guys have done it, and it works. The one thing Lozardo has in his favor, since his debut last year on September 11th, he has the second-highest fastball velocity for a left-handed pitcher in a league behind only Gregory Soto. That's, that's, uh, the velocity is better than Josh Hader and, and his own teammate Jake Diekman. So he has the, the velo on his pitches, and he has great breaking balls because they swing it. He has a whiff rate of, I think, 56.4% on his breaking balls, which is incredible for a guy that just debuted less than a year ago. And he doesn't even pitch all the time, but. His changeup. His changeup. And he and he's not afraid to throw it, and that's what. He's special. He's special. But if, he was, but if, if, if he's only going four, you know, I, I'm like, 
Are the first four innings more important than the last four? I know all innings matter. Wow, can you imagine he just closes out the game? Comes in the six, six, seven, eight, nine. Good night now. Or what if he pitches two innings? Seven and eight. Get it to Liam. And he does it multiple times a week. Is he more is is that more valuable in a 60 game? It's an it's an honest question. This is not 162. And if it was 162, the kids barely pitch. You think he's going to get 30 starts? There's no way. So my whole theory is this. Is he more valuable pitching more than once every five days than pitching once every five days and he gives you may, maybe five? You're looking around four or five. If he's only pitched twice, six innings in the minor leagues, it, it tells you how, how they're going to baby him. Or am I wrong? No, you're right. I, I, I'm, I'm with. I, we've been saying this forever, and people are just going to agree. And everyone's entitled to their own opinion on this. But in a short season like this, I think he's more valuable out of your bullpen, where you you can essentially employ an, an opener or a tandem starter. You can you could do Daniel Mangden, and then have Lazardo take over, or James Caprillion, who just got called up today as Jordan Weems went on the IL. Caprillion could start a few innings, and then bring Lazardo in. Or you could do it the other way around where you have Lazardo start and bring Caprillion in. They both throw hard, but I'd rather see it the other way around where someone starts and Lazardo comes in. I think that's a better role for him in this season. How about this? Manaya is is hell on wheels for three innings. Then bring the kid in who throws a lot harder, and he's shorter. I mean, it would be so odd facing Manaya and then facing Lazardo. <laughs> I mean, back-to-back lefties. I mean, that would be, as a hitter, you'd be like, my God. But how about that? Manaya for three, then you put the kid in for four. Talk about changing now speeds. You, now you just got to cover eight and say, I mean, is he more valuable giving you more than just once every five days? Is he more valuable to you to win games in a 60-game season? We asked David Forrest, David Forrest, he's a starter. We asked Bob Melvin. He's a starter. Okay. Let's see tonight. If he only gives me four, he's he's a tandem starter. They say he's ready to rock, so let's see. I, I, I It's just I, I've gotten a sense from the callers and people on Twitter that they think Sandy Koufax is coming. Sandy took the ball, and Sandy went nine. That's not what this is going to be, but it's going to be very interesting. Coming up next, Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic. She knows all about Jesus Lazardo. What should we expect tonight? You're going to find out next right here on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Cookies and milk. Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't. Because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. 
That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever, and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget, with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. During these horrific times, people still need to get food, and the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek does deliver. Give them a call at 925-322-8799. That's 925-322-8799. 925-322-8799. Don't forget, their world-famous chicken pie and also all the other pies that they have you can freeze and have for a long time. So give the pie shop in Walnut Creek a call. You call them at 925-322-8799. And don't forget, you can also get beer, wine, and spirits with your delivery. And you can check out the full menu, chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. You don't need to understand how available adaptive variable suspension works or how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES to feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0, experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Oh, debuts are always special. And, you know, there's not going to be people in the stands, but I'll tell you this. There's going to be a lot of people watching on television. There's going to be a lot of people listening on A's Cast and on the A's Radio Network. Because there's a buzz about what's going on tonight. And Melissa Lockhart has covered the A's for many years. Now with The Athletic. Knows all about Jesus Lazardo. Here is my conversation with her. Well, it's obviously going to be a big night at the Oakland Coliseum. And Melissa, you've covered the A's minor league system as well as anybody. I think even you have to be super excited to see Jesus Lazardo finally make his first start in the big leagues. Oh, I, I am super, super excited. Probably more excited than most people. I think there's nothing better in sports than debuts in baseball. Um, you know, and obviously he's made his major league debut before, but to be, you know, have it be his first start is, is a special thing. And, you know, just you're, you're the center of attention in baseball, whether it's you're having your first at bat, making your first start, making your first relief appearance because of the nature of, of how it works. And you get to see sort of the emotions on players' faces and the joy, you know, that they get to do it. It's obviously too bad that there can't be 50,000 people there watching them do it. But um, I think this is going to be the start, hopefully, of 
a really great era in ace baseball. Yeah. And, and you know, the one thing you're totally right. I mean, there's going to be no one in the ballpark, but all of our cutouts, but there's going to be a crazy amount of people watching. I mean, that's kind of something that I, I hope he understands, you know, they're, they're, these games are getting record ratings, and the fact that he's going to be going tonight, I expect the ratings on NBC uh, Bay uh, California and also on A's Cast and, and our and our radio affiliates. I expect the numbers to go up tonight. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I remember back in 2003, uh, we had just moved back to the Bay Area from the East Coast, and Rich Harden was making his debut, and we got the TV set up in a new apartment and stuck the wire in the wall, and like you know, it was grainy, but. That was must-see TV back then, and I feel like this is a very similar sort of thing. I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, the potential, the sky's the limit. Um, you know, you can imagine how good the team can be when you see him pitching as well as he's capable of pitching. And, and he's just so fun to watch on the mound, too. He doesn't labor. He kind of uh, changes his tempo a little bit. He's got so many different pitches. Um, so I think it's kind of just entertaining to see him work regardless. But the fact that it's going to be his first one, I hope everybody's tuned in tonight. You know, we spoke with Fran Reardon earlier down here in San Jose as he's at the alternate site. And I was asking him, you know, how good do you think he can be? And, you know, he's he has nothing but full praise. My only concern, and with like the callers that I have on the A's Clubhouse show and on A's Talk, is they're acting like he's riding in on a white horse and he's Sandy Koufax and he's going to lead you to the promised land. But the reality is, after I did a deep dive on his numbers, he doesn't have a big body of work. He hasn't really logged a lot of innings. So am, am I getting my hopes up thinking he can go six or seven? Or am I, or I should, be, should I be realistic in knowing that probably the best you're going to get at, get at him is maybe four, hopefully five? Well, I mean, in that release appearance that he had, uh, what, five days ago or so, you know, he basically makes a better throw and he gets through four innings. And I think they're hoping that he builds another 15 or so pitches off of that. So I, I think five innings is, is realistic tonight, as long as he's efficient with his pitches. And from there, you know, I think he can build up. Obviously the bulk of work issue has been the main lingering concern, even before all the pandemic stuff stepped in, because there was always a sense that there was a limited number of innings that you think you would have gotten out of him this year. Uh, that in, in relation to the whole season now is not really an issue, but um, you know, he hasn't necessarily had the regular seven innings um, each turn that you would like to see. Uh, but, you know, pitchers aren't necessarily developed that way as much anymore in the minor leagues. I think they do tend to keep them around that five inning limit for the most part, just to kind of keep the wear and tear off of them until it really matters up in the big leagues. So I don't know that it portends anything uh, long-term for him, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, you know, I think if he can stay healthy, there's no reason he can't be a seven inning guy every time he's out there. What's the most innings he's ever thrown in one game? Do you know? You know, I do think he, I know he's made it into the, to the sixth inning a few times, but you know, that season that he pitched in Stockton and in Midland, um, they started to let the reins get loosened a little bit towards the end there. I don't know that he's actually gone a full seven, but he was on a pretty strict innings limit that season too, because it was his first full year back from Tommy John. So, you know, the fact that he had Tommy John surgery his senior year of high school has made it a little difficult for him to have a typical prog progression because his first two years of pro ball, he was basically building his way back from that surgery. And then, you know, last year with the two shoulder things, it sort of blocked him in there. But I don't think there's anything about his stuff that would make you think he couldn't turn a lineup over four times. It's just more of a matter of, you know, him needing to be healthy enough that they feel comfortable with that number of pitches. 
All right, so Cody and I have brought this up, and fans didn't like it, I can tell you. They responded uh, in multiple ways, letting me know I th- they think I'm crazy because everybody just wants to be a starter. But in a shortened season like this, you know, if he could come out, if he's only going to give me four, would I want the first four or would I want the four after and then give the ball to Liam Hendricks? What do you think about that? You know, I, I think it, it sort of depends because I, the problem with having structured kind of tandem situations like that where you have like a, a three or a four inning weapon in the bullpen is that it only sort of works in perfect situations, right? When all the built bullpen usage around it sort of happens the way you'd expect it to. But I think you only have to look at the first two weeks of the season to see how quickly that can kind of sort of fall apart when you've got you know, guys going like Jordan Weems and, and Bert Smith, multiple innings and, and, you know, kind of leaning on them really heavily early in the season. And you have Hendricks having to come in two days in a row in really tense situations and then not be available the third day or Diekman has a 34 pitch inning. You know, I think those sort of things tend to happen so much in a bullpen that having a guy that you save as a four inning reliever, um, who isn't necessarily going to be able to be available then for the next three days can kind of throw the balance of a bullpen offline. So um, I think in theory, having a guy that could come in like that and shut everybody down from the fifth inning on is, you know, a pretty good idea. But in practice, the way it's sort of, every time they've tried to introduce it in the minor league level and some other thing, as soon as there's one injury or one crazy extra inning game, it sort of falls out of whack. So, I mean, at least here, you know, that you're going to get a certain number of innings from him on a certain day, or at least you kind of hope that and you don't have to kind of have it be reliant on the bullpen guys around him for how he'd be used. So Jordan Weems is placed on the IL and James Caprellian is coming up from San Jose. You know, this he was a big time prospect out of UCLA. He he feels supposedly we talked to Fran, he feels healthy, he's been throwing the ball real well. What are your expectations for James? Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be coming up in a relief role, so that's obviously different than I think what you would hope or expect from him long term. I do think he's still a guy that, you know, maybe next year you can plug into the starting rotation. But first of all, I think it's just a great story that he's finally made it. Um, You know, he is a guy that came out of UCLA, you know, almost immediately was one of the Yankees' top prospects, huge amount of hype, and then all of a sudden these arm injuries started happening. It took a while for them to, you know, figure out he needed surgery, and then he has surgery and it took him a little while to get back to being on the mound once he got over to the A's while he was rehabbing. So, um, you know, he's gone through a lot uh, to get here. And I think just, you know, recognizing that, that the journey finally got him to the big leagues is really cool. But, um, you know, he's, he's definitely a guy who um, by the second half of last season, when he was feeling more comfortable with really letting it go, was starting to get that velocity back up into the like 93, 94 mile per hour range. He's got some good secondary pitches um ed sprague actually i just spoke to him on monday had said that uh, james was working on a little bit of a two seam to go along with his four seam fastball so um he's got a lot of different looks i think in a relief situation he could probably give you a couple of really quality innings now and i'd look for more for him in the future what do you think the plan should be for aj puck the rest of the the rest of the year you know, I think with AJ, just given the amount of time that there is left in the season, that, you know, assuming that he is healthy enough to get back to the point that he's um, on the mound, it probably does make more sense for him to be in some sort of a relief role because I, I think trying to build him back up into something more than uh, four or five innings is you probably just don't have enough time. So, you know, maybe he's the guy that you look at coming to 
you know, be somebody who could come in every third day and pitch two to three innings. And um, it doesn't completely throw off the whole bullpen uh, situation. He still builds up enough innings that maybe next year he, he can get into the rotation. But um, just looking at the amount of time that's left on the schedule, um, you know, and the concern of every time it's gotten to a point where he's close to being able to be at starter level, this injury's popped up, um, you know, maybe you just kind of lower the expectations for the amount of innings you want him to throw this season. You know, I just feel so bad for all these young baseball players, whether it's high school kids, college kids, minor leaguers who their seasons are just gone. And, you know, you think about how many minor leaguers there are out there and, you know, you want to think you're in the prime of your career. You want to have every chance you can to potentially get to the big leagues and you have no season. I feel so bad for these guys. Yeah, no, it's, it's really tough. And, and, you know, for coaches too, I mean, this is what they live for is getting out there and making these guys better. And they don't really have a chance to do that this year. So it, it's hard on everybody in the game right now. And, um, you know, you, you do, you, you, you know, everyone's getting physically a year older. And so to lose a year of your prime, and not be able to be out on the field is really hard. Yeah. It's, have you been able to talk to any, any minor leaguers who, who are not able to play? Yeah. I've been texting with guys, you know, they're, they're keeping busy. Um, a, a number of them have been doing kind of online coaching and, and whatever other coaching, some areas are a little more open than others in terms of being in person. But um, you know, there, there's a, an A's minor leaguer, Ryan Gridley, who actually started an online coaching company, you know, before all this happened and it's, it's really picked up and he's employed with quite a few of his teammates to um, do these sort of videos that, um, you know, kids will send them videos of their swings and they'll, they'll help them with different things. And they've got strength and conditioning programs and stuff. So they're, they're keeping busy. A lot of them are going back to school and trying to get credits towards finishing off their college degrees or whatever. So, but it's hard. I mean, you know, they also don't know there are opportunities if somebody gets hurt that, you know, one of them could be brought up to that alternate site. So, um, you know, I think some of them are trying to keep as ready as possible. You know, let's end on this. You know, Ramon Laureano has start has had such a great start to the season. He's really been, I'd say him, and I throw in Mark Canna. Everybody else has really struggled. But uh, sure. just watch him blossom. Just how nice and how much fun is it to see Ramon Laureano kind of come into his own? Yeah, I mean, he's as exciting a player as the A's have had in probably, you know, 20 years. I mean, you look at the way that he impacts both sides of the ball, um, the intensity he brings to both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that people want to work hard because they see how hard he's working and um, and he's fun, you know, so I, I think it's it, it's kind of cool. I think you know, to have a guy that can hit for power and run as well as he does near the top of the order and wearing a 20 number. I mean, I feel like that's a thing that should happen to the A's, you know, all the time. Um, and, it, it's, you know, he's kind of a littler guy, but yet he manages to to have a huge, um, powerful impact on the game. So um, I think they should thank the Astros every day that they didn't need him. <laughs> because um, He's been a great addition to the organization. I mean, they basically just gave them to the A's. Yeah. No, I mean, they were, you know, they obviously, they had planned on not protecting him in the rule five draft. And so they figured they'd get, get something rather than nothing, but it's a little surprising that they would have got given them to a division rival like that, because I think they're going to be regretting it for a long time. Melissa, great stuff as always. Love reading you in the athletic and we'll have you on again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. What were the Astros thinking? Guess your guy Jeffrey Lunau ain't so smart after all, huh, Cody? Uh, unfortunately, he must have he must have viewed Ramon as a lower level employee and said, uh, "We don't need you." 
And uh, they traded him for Brandon Bailey, who I said is now pitching in the Astros bull- out of the Astros bullpen because they they literally don't have anyone with Azuna potentially having Tommy John and all the injuries. We haven't heard anything about Verlander recently, have we? Like we heard that he could be out for oh, the I'm year. I'm back on the mound. I'm gonna be back. And Dusty, yeah, Dusty saying how I don't know who why they're reporting that. It's gonna be a few weeks. Uh, I, I wouldn't be I would be surprised if we see him pitch again at all this year. Uh, honestly, I don't I don't think he's coming back. That's just a. I'm just gonna put into the search bar Justin Verlander and let's see. Well, I have bad news for you. The Marlins put 13 guys on the IL. One of them was our guy Ryan Stanek from from the COVID situation. So 13 pitchers went on the IL for the the Marlins. I don't see anything new. Everything is uh, a one week ago. Uh, back to Ramon with the two hits on Monday. He's now hitting 324 with a 978 OPS, two dingers, nine ribbies, and 10 games. So far, one weekend, one week in, I should say, uh, Ramon Laureano is your MVP. And right behind him would be Mark Canna. Because everybody else is Steve Ruggling. And I know, hey, you know, I wanted it. We got it. It was great to watch. But I'm I'm not ready to say everybody's out of their funk and uh, it's just business as usual. It was a great inning. Don't get me wrong. But if you watched the game yesterday, in that eight spot, did you you watch the inning, Cody? Oh, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, there was was a few infield hits. How many balls actually left the infield? Uh, Penders? Davis. (laughs) No, I'm talking about the fifth. Oh yeah, the fifth. Yeah, Pender's ball did. So it was a it was a great walk by. So first batter was Pender, and he grounded out to short. Then it was actually a, and I I'm now noticing it. I saw it at least two or three times last night where Chris Davis swung at the first pitch. He literally seventy five percent of the time swings at the first pitch. Whatever you throw him, he's swinging. But that was actually he got down either o two or one two and works a walk. Piscotty gets a base hit to left. That was out of the infield. And then an infield hit by Murph. Strikeout by Simeon. And then back-to-back base hits on the ground to right field. I'd have to go back and watch it, but the shift was on. I probably would bet that if the second baseman was playing in his normal spots, both those are not hits. But hit them where they ain't. And then Chapman, infield hit. And then a walk. Then Pinder slices one right over the second baseman's head. Then another infield hit. Piscotti hits a double down the line, ground ball. See what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like we're talking double off the wall, you know, the driving the baseball. I mean, they, they, they weren't all hit very hard. And it's kind of the inning you needed to get going. But still, I, I look at the lineup today. 
And Marcus is hitting 205. Matt Olson's hitting 152. Matt Chapman's hitting 195. Piscotti's 231. Sean Murphy's 170. And Tony Kemp's 100. I mean, the three guys in your lineup today that you can actually look at and go, okay, this is a good start. Ramon Laureano at 324. Robbie Grossman at 304. And Mark Cannon at 296. And, Cody, you at least have to agree with me on this. If you don't hit for some kind of average, you're going to have a tough time scoring runs. Yeah, I mean, we saw the A's came into that game with a 188 team batting average and uh, only, oh. 30, only 30 runs scored. I figured it out that before the fifth inning, what do you think their average dropped to? Let's say 178. Not that big. Uh, it went so they started the game hitting 188 as a team. So they end up at 184 oh, before the start of that inning. So four points, okay. And the Pirates, who were in last place, had a pretty good game offensively. So when I was doing the math, the Pirates were like 190 something. So when the A's went into the top of the fifth inning, they had the worst average in baseball. And then they rifle off eight, and that changes some things. But, you know, we are going to need to get some consistency going here. Six and four, okay. I know people like to go, hey, it's early. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's okay. And I'm going to keep saying it. I have, high, I have high expectations for this team. They, had, they told me they had high expectations down at spring training. It was great to see Chris Davis finally hit a home run. Just just the fact that he gets to see it. You saw the reaction of the bullpen, what it meant to them. And he comes running around the bases, everybody in the dugout, because everybody knows what's been going on. They're watching it. He's gripping it. Last year against Lance Lynn, he struck out 16 times. So he's not in the lineup tonight, Chris Davis. <laughs> Chris Davis was four for 29 with 16 strikeouts uh, in his career versus Lance Lynn. Great game, build some confidence, put him, uh, put him on the bench, and he can pinch hit for you. I did not like seeing the article that the end of the dominant closer. Is that really something that was going to happen in baseball? The dominant closer's gone. No more Dennis Eckersley. No more Raleigh Fingers. No more Mariano Rivera. Really? No more Trevor Hoffman. I mean, there is something cool about a dominant closer. Goose Gossage is down on the bullpen snorting, and he's angry, and he's coming in. Fans go nuts. I mean, come on. When they played Enter the Sandman at Yankee Stadium, and here comes Mariano Rivera, or they play Hell's Bells in San Diego, and here comes Trevor Hoffman, and the crowds just go wild. 
You're telling me that's that's done? You put it on the rundown, Cody. Are you telling me that's done? Well, Dave, David Schoenfeld, a yeah, friend of this program, he he had a take on there. He was, they did, The writers for ESPN did a, an article about the different takes they had for the, this season, and one of them I have been buying or selling about my beloved Pirates, which uh, I kind of believe was going to happen. But they put in there – Schoenfeld had the end of the dominant closer, and he put in there how only 16 relievers last year recorded at least 25 saves. That's the – the most recent non-strike season that had fewer was 1991, where only 13 closes reached 25. And you're seeing Chapman and Will Smith both uh, not closing games because of coronavirus, although Chapman's going to be back eventually. Roberto Azuna needs Tommy John, reportedly. Ken Giles and Jose LeClerc, the Rangers closer, is out. Uh, Craig Kimball can't get anybody out, and he keeps walking everyone. Uh, wait, wait, wait. He went from being one of the historic closers of all time to... You can't even put him in the game. I don't. I mean, I I can't trust him in a, in a high leverage situation right now. If you're David Ross, you can't put him in. I mean, he has four walks and he has four earned runs allowed in an inning and a third this year. And he's supposed to be a closer. That they gave a ton of money to, what, in like June or July of last year. So that's not good. Edwin Diaz, who had the most saves in baseball in 2018, can't get anybody out for the uh, New York Mets. I have some numbers on him that will blow your mind. Here's uh, Edwin Diaz's numbers so far in the ninth inning for the Mets. 44 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 7.25 ERA, 16 home runs allowed, 79 base runners allowed, a 9.78 OPS, eight blown saves. Remember, the Mets gave up a lot to acquire him, including Jared Kalenic, who's one of the top prospects in baseball now for the, for the Mariners. Kenley Jansen's not de- uh, not a dominant closer anymore. The Rays just use everyone that pits out of their bullpen. How's that working? Uh, yeah, well, they lost five in a row. And you're the cl- best closer last year in baseball – Kirby Yates doesn't have a save. He's appeared in four games. He's an ERA over 13, and he was the best closer in baseball last year. What so, about Liam? So Liam, the one guy that's actually having a nice nice year so far, he has three saves for the A's. But all the other guys you think we need to get dominant closers, none of them really are sticking out. I, I find it kind of interesting that that's – I still think that we're going to see dominant closers. I mean, Liam's pretty shut down. Uh, a world of Chapman is pretty shut down. Unless you know a pitch is coming, like uh, uh, allegedly, with uh, Altuve and that home run he hit in Game Seven last year, but uh, Chapman's pretty deadly to hit a hit anything off of his slider or his uh, 103 mile an hour fastball. But what's his name? The um, the guy in St. Louis had Tommy John. The guy George, who throws 100. Jordan Hicks. He throws a, about 105. Yeah. 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 They'll be back. They'll be back. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not buying that. The dominant closer's done. Now, I do buy that in the future, we're going to be looking at maybe positionless staffs for the most part. As we've talked about with uh, Scott Emerson. I mean, because I mean, I look at it. If 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 these kids that are coming up are all going to be babied so much, you're going to have to have major usage of your bullpen. If they can't, if you can't get innings, if the next generation of Jesus Lazardos and AJ Pucks are at most allowed to go six, because these front offices, they do not want you going through a lineup a third time. They don't. That's just reality. And we're seeing it, you know, 
in close proximity if you're following anything the Giants are doing. Uh, they don't let their starters go six innings, and they have two guys that are established veterans that are used to throwing a lot of innings, and Johnny Cueto and Jeff Samarja. Now, Samarja is different. He can go six and give up six home runs, but he'll still go six innings. He eats innings. He's an innings eater. Yeah, there it is. He's, He's an, an innings eater. But their their guys aren't going five innings. You know, last night, Johnny Cueto five and dive, and he was pitching well, and they took him out, and, of course, their bullpen blew it. But the Giants are kind of doing what they're using a bunch of relievers, and they're positionless. Like, you figure Tony Watson would be their closer, but they're using Trevor Gott as their closer. They're mixing and, uh, mixing and matching different, you know, they're, they're over. I think Gabe Kapler's overthinking it a little bit. No. But they no. But they seem to be like a team that is, go, is starting to maybe see, you're starting to see the beginnings of a positionless staff with them. Because earlier in the year, they were starting different guys. You know, it, Kevin Gosman wasn't starting games. He's pitching out of the bullpen. They're having someone else start games for him. They did it against the A's. They used 18 pitchers in two games. Now, that's not going to work in a regular season, but exhibition games, go. you know, go for it. If it makes you happy, do it. But I think that that's one team starting to go that way, and it's, it's not working out great for them. But I, I could see that, well, as we talked about with Emo, being a trend going forward for these young pitchers who they aren't, they aren't going the, – not, like Nathan Pearson from the Blue Jays made his debut the other day. He won five innings. That's great. He throws 100 – he could throw up to 105, but they're not going to let him go more than five innings. And the Blue Jays don't have what you call a uh, shutdown bullpen with Ken Giles out either. So you have to figure out how to do this, and a lot of teams haven't figured it out yet. Have you ever wanted to learn how to keep score of an A's game? Here is your opportunity to learn how to keep score with a virtual video class hosted by an MLB official scorekeeper for $25 donation. That's it, just 25 bucks to the Oakland A's Community Fund. You can join us for our scorekeeping 101 class. Visit athletics.com slash community corner for details. That's athletics.com slash community corner. Coming up next, former Ranger and now pre and post game host for the Rangers on Fox Sports Southwest. David Murphy is going to join us, the old lefty right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. How many guys heckling him now? Straight away center. <laughs> Castellanos, deep to center field, and it is gone! 11 straight games now with a base hit for Castellanos, and that is his sixth home run. The is that it? That's it. Cassiano, sixth home run in seven days. And, uh, well, you can uh, continue to give me crap for him uh, not <laughs> for me saying he should be – I mean, put him at the You didn't even want him in the lineup. You didn't even <laughs> want him in the lineup. He has to be hitting. Let's see. I'll, I'll look at his average now after he had that base hit. But I want to say – like 8,000. After that home run off of Shane Bieber, who didn't, hasn't allowed a run until that home run, he is now hitting 400. On the air. He's, so, your, he's your MVP. Uh, yeah, well, right now he's the, the front runner for the MVP, although a lot of people like Trevor Story right now, too, for the uh, Rockies. Are we going to do Are we gonna do MVPs? Should we actually do it National League, American League, or should we do it by uh, 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 East, Central, and West? That's actually not a bad idea. I mean, we're doing everything different in 2020. I think doing it in each division or each uh, – how do you want to – how do we want to say it? Division, league, 
uh, region. I think that's actually not a bad idea to give it to one as, guy. If you're not playing, if you're not playing against each other, for the most part, I'm not saying you would anyway because you only play one national league and you rotate every year. But you know, I mean, East Coast teams are not playing West Coast teams. See, it's the craziness that I like to bring up. And I, I, I did a whole thing on it last night about the old guard has to let go. You just have to let go. And, you know, I keep hearing, well, just as long as it's in this season, stop it. You guys got to stop it. Nowhere have I ever seen more playoffs mean less interest. As long as it's just this year. No, it's not going back. 16 teams in the playoffs. It's going to be super exciting. It's going to get great ratings. The Players Union likes it. Manfred likes it. It's here to stay. DH in both leagues, here to stay. Even Jason Stark today. One of the kings of the old guard. Hall of Famer said he loves... He absolutely loves the runner on second base and extra innings. It's happened 13 times. There's been five walk-offs. There's only been three bunts. Everybody thought it was going to be, eh, bunt the guy over. No. It's been five walk-offs already. It's exciting. It's making baseball more exciting. I, I, I'm going to have to, next time someone says to me, well, as long as that's just this year, I'm going to have to stop and go, wait a minute. Are you going to tell me when they expanded the, the NCAA tournament from 32 teams to 64, that didn't work? Did that work? Uh, I think so. You, you, you think that tournament's going to stick around for a while? I, I think people enjoy watching uh, watching that tournament they have on CBS and all that, the, what are the, every other channel that's on during the March and April, and seeing the the underdogs win, I I think it's done pretty well. Yeah, uh, th- now they've expanded. It's like sixty eight teams because you have the play-ins. And you got the first four. You got to got to worry about those games. The sixteen seeds yeah. playing each other. Yeah, I think it were um, NFL expanded uh, wild cards and expanded playoffs. You think that's going to survive? Uh, I think it'll be. I think that the NFL is going to be okay. You think they're going to be okay? They expanded. You know. Um, they expanded the playoffs in the NBA and the NHL and uh, college football. Is that does, is that successful? They got more bowl games than ever. They got more playoffs. They got bowl games. They got a BCS championship. Do you, do you think college football is going to survive? I think that 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 pro that institution will be just fine. Uh, we've seen it even with the BCS being gone and. Now just bowl games and a national, and then you have the uh, is it eight teams now? Is that what they do? I can't remember. The no four. They do the college football playoff of four teams. They everyone wants eight. Yeah, they want more. Yeah, but but the old garden baseball always wants less. <laughs> you are horrible business people. You're literally. And did you hear the post game last night when I was going off about? I don't even know where FS1 is. Your games are on FS1 and TBS and. Robert did a great job playing because I like it's like Gilligan's Island. And then, hey, it's time for baseball. I want baseball playoffs back in prime time for the entire playoffs, 
not on FS1, not on TNT, not on Bravo or whatever it's on now. I could not even tell you where FS1 is. And here's a great example. I asked Robert, our producer, uh, does he know? And he goes, I don't have cable. I'll ask you, Cody, where's FS1 on your dial? Mine's a little different because I have Sling, so it goes by. It goes you by don't ch- have cable. No, I, I'm a millennial. I don't. I don't pay for cable. But the old guard doesn't understand that no one pays for cable anymore. No one buys newspapers. Sorry. So this whole we got to get it in the Chronicle. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you read the Chronicle? Um. Besides when I read Susan's articles online, uh, couldn't tell you. Uh-huh. People got to wake up, man. This game, you know what? It's, it's one of the reasons why I'm a fan of Manfred, because he gets it. He understands. He understands the old way is not working anymore. If I'm not, if, if I'm not connecting with you on the phone, if I'm not getting you on your phone, I'm not getting you. That's the place you got to do business is on the cell phone. That's where the MLB app is. It's how you can do, you listen to A's cast. I mean, you can do it through your computer and laptop, but every, the phone, everybody is so addicted to their phone. And some people, you don't even need your wallet anymore. You just pay for everything with your phone. I do that. Yeah. It's not getting it in the Chronicle or the Merc. Come on, wake up. People in baseball need to wake up. They need to understand change is going to be good. Change brings interest. Change brings younger people to the game. Having a 17 inning extra, a 17 extra inning game does nobody any good. Everybody's asleep. Everybody's left the ballpark. No one's watching it. No one's listening to it. Nobody cares. The numbers prove it. So why not try this? Because they did it in the World Baseball Classic, and it was a hit. I've never understood. Every single business that stays in business a long time has to change. It has to change. And we're not, we're not, we're not going back to... I mean, so a lot of you younger fans, you may not even know this. The American League and the National League used to be completely different. They had their own commissioners. Think about how ridiculous that is. I'm the commissioner of the American League. I'm the commissioner of the National League. I mean, what? (laughs) And then there was an overall commissioner. So there was three commissioners in the game. It was stupid. So they stopped it. And now there's just one guy. There's the old guard would love to go back to that. They'd love to go to less playoffs. They'd love to go back to the old way. And that doesn't work anymore. Change in business is good. Is it always good? No, but you can correct it. The NFL already got rid of their pass interference challenge. They didn't like it. At least they tried it. Once again, is the NFL going out of business, Cody? Oh, they won't have fans in the stands, probably, but they're not going anywhere. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of odd that the Raiders, the Raiders already announced it when they didn't have to. Because the greatness of the Raiders is in their future. 
Dr. Schwartz is correcting me. They weren't commissioners. They were presidents. Even more ridiculous. <laughs> I'm the president of the National League. Oh, I'm the president of the American League. And you know what? I get rid of American League and National League anyway. I think it's lame. The Colorado Rockies are in the National League West. What? How many times do I have to go over to the Rangers and the Astros? I, I, I should, they, they should not be, when I check the standings every day, they should not be in my standings. They should be in the Central. Why are we not playing the Dodgers and the Padres and the D-backs? Put a team in Portland, then now, now you have a rival for the Seattle Mariners. How are we not playing against the Giants? They're 13 miles away. It's just, how are the Yankees not playing the Mets? How are the Mets not playing the Red Sox? And the Phillies right there. And the Ori, I mean, it just makes too much sense to put teams in their own region where there there are teams. Let's play with those teams. No, 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 that's not what we're going to do, Chris. We want to go back to the old school when the Atlanta Braves and the Cincinnati Reds were in the National League West. Because nothing says West like Atlanta, Georgia, in the Eastern time zone. Are you kidding me? Uh, let's get to David Murphy. I caught up with David earlier today. He's now doing TV. Remember, he was a pesky player against the A's for years. We'll talk a little 2012, too. Here is my interview with the former Ranger outfielder. David, it's great catching up with you. It's been a while since we saw you with the Texas Rangers. How is life treating you? Life is good. Just, uh, you know, my, I'm enjoying being up at the ballpark from time to time, doing doing broadcasting work and, and staying affiliated with the team. But uh, more than anything, just uh, the, the freedom and the flexibility, which my career didn't allow me to be at home and, and spend a lot more time with my family and my kids. Well, Ace fans remember you as you wore us out for so many years. Uh, how has that tra- transition been coming to the dark side and being a media guy now? You know, it's interesting. Um, I mean, baseball is, is such a love of mine that, you know, to, to still be able to have, like I said, any type of affiliation with Major League Baseball um, and, and being able to go to the ballpark as much as I do, it's just it's kind of a happy place for me. So I really enjoy it. Um, and, and like I said, the flexibility that it allows, which, uh, where I don't really travel very much like I did as a player and, uh, I can, I can still be home a lot. And, um, uh, I just, I don't know, like I said, I, I'm as much of as a player, um, I was still a big time fan. So I feel like this allows me to, to really still be a, a fan of the game and participate in it without having to, to work the really long hours. You know, I really feel bad for a couple of organizations and two off the top of my head are the Texas Rangers and now the Las Vegas Raiders as, you know, these beautiful new stadiums and ballparks have been built and no fans can go in them. It's really, really sad. Uh, You've been able to go to the new ballpark. What, What does it look like there in Arlington? You know, the, the new ballpark is awesome. I think, you know, thinking sentimentally, I'm a, I'm, I was definitely disappointed when I heard the news for the first time that, uh, you know, the park where I spent my career would no longer be the home of the Texas Rangers. But obviously, it's 2020. You know, that modern technology is incredible. 
and um, we knew that we would get a, a great ballpark and, and what fans have longed for um, for a long time here in Texas and that's air conditioning in, in baseball and in, in an air conditioned environment so uh, you know I feel like that was a little bit of a home field advantage for the Rangers because especially would hate pitching to the good offenses that we ran out there for so long but um, you know the fans are such a big part of the game especially as we're learning now through COVID um, and I'm happy that they have a place to, to comfortably watch the game when you walk in a little bit it does remind you a little bit of Houston um, you know when I look at the right field stands it reminds me a little bit of Seattle but um, I feel like they're you know it's hard to, to get really a feel of of the stadium with no fans in the seats. So I think I'm going to have a completely different take on it once uh, there's 40,000 people in there. Well, the great thing for the Texas Rangers, and you can say the same thing for the Astros, is that you know you're going to get 81 games in now. I mean, that is such a key for the season ticket holders because of the weather. And I was with the A's last year in Texas, and, and I got to tell you, Texas Live, I mean, we went, we had a double header. We went over there, had the barbecue, had some drinks. Uh, Jerry's World, the Cowboys are, are just down the street. I, I think that complex in, in Arlington is just incredible. Yeah, 100%. If you look at the football stadium, I don't know what's going to happen to the old baseball field with the XFL uh, folding already. Um, and we'll see if we get some concerts or maybe some exhibition soccer games or something like that in there. But uh, the old ballpark, the new ballpark, and then, you know, you have Six Flags and the water park right there. It's really uh, uh, in Texas Live. Um, it's just a really cool uh, sports, entertainment, restaurant, shopping district. I mean, it's got everything that you would want. So, you know, if fans are coming in, especially fans from out of town, um, you know, to see something different and uh, to have a lot of cool experiences in a, in a few days, um, it, it really allows you to check off a lot of boxes. You know, going tonight for the Rangers, Lance Lynn has been really good the start of 2020, and he's going for his 100th career win. Just talk about how he has just been lights out to start the season. Well, toward the tail end of my career, I remember facing him, and I remember that he had a little bit of a crossfire, that uh, he's got the four-seam fastball that really, it really jumps on you. You know, I don't remember the velocity being – you know, 96, 97, what it has been in the last year and a half. Uh, but once he got on the, the right side of, of Tommy John after that surgery, um, the velocity has really been there. And so if the, the fastball was good at 92, 93, and, uh, you know, the velocity played up a little bit, I feel like uh, at 96, 97, it kind of goes to show you why he's having the type of success that he does. He's got a great mindset. Um, you know, it, it's the word that's been used so frequently, whether it's him or a bunch of pitchers that go right after hitters, but uh, bulldog mentality. And um, he definitely fits that description. And it's, it's really fun to watch him pitch. He loves taking the ball. He's intense out there. and He's exactly what you would want in a starter at the top of your rotation. I thought it was a good sign um, when the Rangers signed him last year, and it's been even better than they could have expected. You know, I think about when you first came up. You came up with the Red Sox, right? Yes, I did. You think about what velocity was then and what velocity is now in 2020. Just just watching it now as you sit back and watch a lot of baseball, just how different is the velocity on a day-to-day -day basis from when you first came up? 
Well, I remember the transition. So in 2014, um, that was my first year after I left Texas and I was with Cleveland. And everybody always knew of Carlos Carrasco as this big time prospect who just couldn't make it as a starter. They threw him out there every year, but he got hit hard. And so um, they moved him to the bullpen. I think he was out of options. So they, you know, they couldn't send him down to the minor leagues, uh, but they still thought there was something left in there. And so he was our long man or our guy that, you know, if we needed a start out of him, uh, we could get a start out of him. So they moved him to the bullpen and slowly, he, you know, he, he started becoming the pitcher that he has been the last few years and that he is today by being that long man out of the bullpen throwing 97 miles an hour. And usually when you get to that long man, you're expecting the guy early in my career was the guy that was throwing 90 to 92 miles an hour that you could get him in the game early and you could really beat up on him. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> you would be up 10 runs or something like that in a hurry. But now it doesn't matter who comes out of a bullpen. They're going to have nasty stuff. Everybody's throwing, you know, in the upper 90s with cutters in the upper 80s or, or lower 90s. So it's just a different game and you have to be ready for that high velocity. You know, I'm looking at my notes getting ready for the game and it just it kind of shocked me. I mean, I'm not shocked that Joey Gallo has three home runs. I'm not shocked that he has eight RBIs. Uh, what I'm shocked as I look, he's hitting 310. Joey Gallo's hitting 310. Really? I think we're seeing, um, you know, what Joey's shown over the last year. You know, it was disappointing that that he got hurt and he missed so much of 2019 because uh, he really started making his mark early in 2019. He made the all-star team. He saw one pitch in the all-star game off of a lefty and hit it out of the ballpark um, in his lone all-star at bat. So I think um, – you know, it's, it's a shock on, on one hand, and, and it is an early sample size. And, and you, do, you don't necessarily expect Joey Gallo to be a guy that's going to hit for a high average. But at the same time, I wouldn't put it past him. He's a hard worker. He's a good athlete, and good athletes seem to be the ones who make the best adjustments. And uh, we always known, we've, we've always known that the power is going to be there, and that at the same time, the strikeouts are going to be there. But I think the thing that whether, you know, regardless of where his average is, you know, I've always thought he's going to take the next step. One, when those home runs can start being two and three run home runs and he can hit them in more clutch situations, which he has. And also when he can hit the singles and doubles with runners in scoring position, he can start driving in more runs and be closer to a hundred RBI guy and not a guy that's going to hit 30 or 40 home runs with, you know, 65 to 75 RBIs because he, he strikes out in so many other big situations. So I think um, I, I think we're really starting to see him take the next step. You know, your time in Texas, it was so interesting to watch the transition of going to the World Series a couple times, and then all of a sudden here comes this A's team out of nowhere. What was it like back in your day doing battles with the Oakland A's? Man, you're uh, you're bringing back some some heartbreaking memories there because obviously we had a great 10 and a great 11, and I just remember down the stretch in in 2012 because we were pretty much in the driver's seat all year long. And honestly, that 2012 team could have been better than the 2010 and the 2011 team, but unfortunately, the A's were just so good and they were able to catch fire late in the season. Everybody remembers. Um, you know, the, the series in Oakland to end 2012 and just uh, how that crushed us. And, and we just had, you know, if, if 
there was ever a question of whether or not there's baseball, uh, there's, excuse me, there's momentum in the game of baseball. Um, that was a perfect example of it because they were trending in the right direction and we were not, and they were able to take it from us. And I'm surprised they didn't go deeper into the postseason, you know, in any of those years, but they did it again to us in 2013. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's impressive how the A's just seem to get the absolute most out of the talent they have and always a lower payroll than other teams. But uh, Billy Bean knows what he's doing. You know, I always say about the ending of 2012, it taught us every game matters because we get so many people, David, in our game who go, ah, it's just late March or early April. It's a long season. It's a marathon. I always take people back. If the Rangers would have won just one more game anytime during the season, that final would have never been, the ending would have been completely different. The A's would have been the wild card team. Yeah, and it just goes to show you how, you know, in the course of 162 games, you think, ah, eh, you know, this game doesn't matter or that game doesn't matter. But then when it comes down to that at the end of the season, then it, then it really hurts. And it's just funny how, you know, I remember at the beginning of that season, we played a game, I think, in early May. And I didn't think very much of Josh Donaldson at the time. And, you know, I saw the big signing of Yoannis Cespedes. And, you know, I didn't really I, I didn't know if he was going to be able to hit in the major leagues. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to be able to hit the fastball in. And then by the end of the season, when those two guys stepped to the plate, I, I was, you know, I knew that they were a dangerous presence in the box. And then uh, uh, probably one of my best friends, if not my best friend in baseball, Brandon Moss caught on with, with the A's that year and just had some big hits down the stretch for the A's. So he and I, and we ended up playing together in, in Cleveland again after coming up together in Boston. Uh, in the minor leagues and uh, he and I have had several conversations about just those games and those teams and um, how intense that rivalry became through those years. Let's end on this because obviously you know all about the grind. You've played in two World Series and before this season I thought it was just wrong where we had like national writers going there could be an asterisk for this season and now that we've gotten this season going, I think people now really realize how hard it's going to be. You're trying to play through a pandemic. Uh, you're going on the road when you really don't want to go on the road. Now there's going to be 16 teams that are going to be in the postseason. I really believe this is going to be one of the toughest championships to ever win. It really will be. And uh, I think going in and after we're, we've been here a few weeks and just seeing some of these teams shut down, seeing guys that are just opting out uh, as, you know, we just talked about Cespedes, a guy like that, seeing a guy like Lorenzo Cain opt out. Um, it's going to be a different year than, than we've ever seen in baseball. Uh, it's, it's going to be a grind. I don't think it's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch a sprint of the last two months, uh, basically, of the season, which this is going to be rather than the normal marathon. But, um, no, I, I don't think there's going to be an asterisk. It's, it's definitely going to be different. But, um, you know, I think kind of my attitude he heading into this season was whatever amount of baseball that we can get this season, hopefully we get a full two months and then a full postseason. But whatever amount of baseball we get, we should be thankful for because as baseball fans, it just it was hard to go through those early months when we're so used to, um, you know, seeing baseball in the spring and we weren't able to. So um, I, along with I'm sure so many baseball fans out there, are just happy to, to have them back on the field. No doubt about it. We always appreciate the time. Loved watching as a player. Congratulations on the transition into the media. Be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. 
All right, same to you. Thanks for the time. He's good. God, I haven't talked to him in a long time. That's a good get, Cody. Well, usually our normal Rangers guys are C.J. Nikowski and and, uh, Mike Bassick, the guy that gave up uh, the home run, the Bonds. But uh, I'd have luck this time with them. But we play the Rangers, uh, what, three three more times after this? So we'll get them eventually. Yeah, I'm glad we're finally able to get Murph on. I've been trying to get him since last year. So I was glad I was able to establish that that, – that line of uh, communication there with him because it was either him or Nolan Ryan. And uh, I didn't hear anything back from Nolan's people, but 27, 27 years ago today, the old headlock onto Robin Ventura happened. So <laughs> sure. He's a little busy reminiscing on that day. Looking to see your face in the crowd for our next homestand tonight is the deadline to purchase and submit your photo to get, wait, am, am I, um, yeah, that was just given. Wait, what is this? Can I read that? Or is that old? I'm looking. It says four through the, four through the six. What's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I that's right. All right. Yeah, you're good. Look to see your face in the crowd for our next homestand. Tonight is the deadline to purchase and submit your photo to get your cutout printed in time for the D-backs and Angels series. Lock in your cutout order now with proceeds benefiting the A's Community Fund. Head to athletics.com slash cutouts. That's athletics.com slash cutouts before it's too late. Coming up next, the manager of the greatest offense of all time. But now he's in San Jose. The great Fran Reardon will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, what are they doing in San Jose? You're getting guys ready to be able to come up to the big leagues? Or they're trying to get the young guys better so they don't lose a year. But they're down at San Jose Municipal, home of the San Jose Giants and the San Jose State Spartan baseball team. Well, neither of them playing, so... You got the A's here. How's things going at the alternate site? Here's the skipper of the Las Vegas Aviators, Fran Reardon. Fran, you know, the last time we spoke with you here on A's Cast Live, that was down in Las Vegas when the A's were taking on the Cleveland Indians. That seems like forever ago. Yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it is crazy, but uh, welcome to the Bay Area and, uh, how how has this alternate site been going for you? You know, it's it's been as uh, it's been as smooth and as productive, I think, as it possibly could be. Um, you know, the the San Jose people have been wonderful. The stadium's worked out really well for us. Uh, I know the guys are getting a lot of work in, and uh, you know, it's just been a great situation so far, considering the circumstances. You know what people forget, and I talk to Bob Melvin about this all the time, is that. They look at you as a manager, and obviously as a manager, you're a leader of people, but also you still are a teacher at heart. What has this been like for you, the other coaches? That this is, I, I got to think this is a whole lot of instruction and teaching a lot of young players along with the guys that have to be ready to come up and play in the big leagues. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting dynamic you're talking about because I think as a staff, we've never had the opportunity, no matter who it is, we have a great staff here, but we've never had the opportunity to, to work with, 
you know, the, the veteran players that have big league time that are, that are being, you know, have to be ready to go and produce at the big league level. And at the same time, there's a group of players here that are, are young, you know, high round picks or our prospects or free agent signings that really need that instruction and really need to, to learn some things about their game and, and develop. And there's a, there's, there's quite a balance and quite a fine line to making sure the guys are big league ready that need to be, and then making sure the guys are learning and getting the instruction they need so they can develop in the future big leaguers. You know, this was something that, you know, we talked about with Oakland and this happened with all 30 teams is when you went back to your home stadium, you only have one field to where when you're down in Mesa or you're in Florida or Arizona and your spring training facility, you have endless fields and endless places to work out. What is it like having this many players and only one diamond to play on? Well, logistically, it's not ideal. I mean, like you said, it's from a spring training situation. You have five, six, seven fields to work with. And, you know, you, you need guys to get reps. Uh, for instance, in San Jose, there's only one cage. And we have 17 hitters. So to be able to cycle guys in and out of the, the cage in the morning just to get their cage routine in, take some staggering of arrival times and, uh, you know, stretch times and, and deep defense times. But at the same time, we're responsible to make sure these guys are, are staying safe and, and socially distanced. So, you know, having those staggered stretch times and arrival times gives them the ability to, you know, get in, get outside with, with limited number of players and, and get, get their work in. So the work is just more concentrated. Uh, but yeah, the, the logistical side of it hasn't, hasn't been ideal, but you know, we're just making best of the situation that we have here and you know, everyone has a job to do. Take us through what like a, a regular day would be for you guys. Well, you know, the, the pitchers and, and catchers arrive with a, a few young players and the pitchers obviously have their workday scheduled based on their workload, um, how many innings they're trying to build up to, if they're throwing a, a bullpen that day, if, if they're, you know, throwing live in a game. Um, the position players go and they get their, their cage routine out of the way and then stagger back and forth between the cage and the field for defensive work. And then we have a second group that comes in about an hour later and basically does the same thing position player-wise, does their cage routine and, you know, their defensive work, uh, they have base running that day. And then at the end of the second session, there's a, some sort of simulated game, which is, you know, very important for, for both the guys that need to get at-bats and innings for to be big league ready. And then the younger guys that need the at-bats that they're missing out on this year because there's no minor league season. So, you know, it could be a four-inning sim game. It, you know, we could only have two and a half innings or <laughs> it, it just depends on, on who needs innings. And that's where we try to keep it interesting. You know, we've drafted two teams here. So there's a, a gold team and a green team. And, you know, we're, we're keeping track of records and we're, we're trying to make this as, as competitive as possible so the guys can you know, mimic what it's like to at least compete again. And I think that's very important given the fact that, you know, some of these guys won't have a season and the guys that do go up and play in the big leagues are going to have to be ready to compete at a really high level. So very hard to duplicate in this kind of a situation, but I think very necessary. That is pretty fascinating. It's, it's the, it's not only are you keeping their skills sharp, but you're also keeping the mental side sharp from the standpoint of, Hey, you still need to compete. You still need to go out and win games. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we have 29 players here and some of them are going to be called to Oakland to, 
to help a, our, our big league team win games, and some of them won't be. But you still have to keep an edge about you. You still have to keep a, a competitive spirit about you every day. And sometimes it's not easy. You know, we're just in the, the first week of August here, but we're going to hopefully be here for a couple more months. And uh, it's going to get harder as, as we go along for guys to stay engaged and guys to stay motivated and keep that edge. And uh, I think that's what will be our biggest challenge as a, as a staff and something that we communicate about regularly. Yeah, you know, it's so key for the really young players that they didn't lose a year. And Poisson and, and Solderstrom, the, the new draft pick. What has it been like to have these really young kids playing with guys who, you know, you know, one guy's 17, one guy just went to prom and graduated high school, and now you're playing with guys that have big league experience? Well, I, I think in a lot of ways, the young guys being able to be around the older guys is is – might be a better situation than them playing a short season in Arizona or whatever the case is, where, wherever they would play, because this is invaluable experience for them being around these guys that have so much knowledge and so much experience and have played at the highest level that they just frankly wouldn't have had otherwise. So I, I think the guys, the younger guys, especially have been sponges, you know, watching, asking questions, trying to learn as much as they can. And, We've got a special group of uh, veteran guys here that are more than, than willing to, to help these guys out and, and try to teach them from their experiences and, you know, just their, their time in the game. And at the same time, they both, both sides, the young guys and the veteran guys, know that they have a job to do. And I think that's not being forgotten as well. You know, Jesus Lazardo is going to go today for the Oakland Athletics against the Texas Rangers. And my biggest question is, it's, it's not his stuff. We know his stuff is absolutely electric. It's incredible. It's what actually can he give the ball club? When, when you look, as he, he's, he's never had a, a big workload in any season. What do you think from like an inning standpoint and a pitch count standpoint, Jesus Lazardo can give you? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Bob and Emo have a, a plan for him as far as how many they're going to go, whether it's, you know, four and 60, five and 75. But, you know, he's had some tough luck with injuries, but he's a, he's a big, strong kid and he's a, a huge competitor. And what can you expect from him? You can expect elite stuff for as long as they're going to let him go. And that, I think that's, that's really about as much as you can ask from a young pitcher, especially one making his major league debut. But, if I had to guess, I'm pretty sure that Jesus is not going to be uh, flustered by this moment. The moment's not going to be too big for him just because of the, the quality of character and competitor and, uh, frankly, the stuff speaks for itself. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a great night for, for uh, our whole organization. Is he just one of those guys when you had him, you managing him, you were like, wow, this, is, this kid is something special. One hundred percent. Just watching his five pitch arsenal, five elite pitches, and the way he commands them, and the way he's trying to learn and get better. Um, he he still did some things that you know were frustrating at times. That hey, I, I don't care if you're going to be a, a fifteen year big league starter, uh, you know, future Cy Young award winner. You still need to learn and get better. But he was always receptive to things, and he was always open to any suggestion that could possibly make him better. And that's what the great ones do. And, you know, you could see it in his work, the days he wasn't pitching, you could see it in the days he was pitching. 
just one of those guys that you knew is going to be special. James Caprellian has been called up to Oakland. How was he throwing the ball? He was throwing the ball really well. You know, I had him for maybe three or four starts at the end of last year, and I think, it, you know, the innings caught up with him a little bit, and maybe he didn't have the zip on the, the heater and the life on the, the breaking stuff that he had early in the year. But, you know, he's been very impressive this whole summer camp, and, you know, he's, he's worked very hard since he got drafted and been through a lot of things injury-wise and changing teams and, you know, it's been nothing but a great teammate. And to, to see him get rewarded for, for years of hard work is pretty cool. Yeah, and, and you know, some of these guys, when they go through, you know, you have Tommy John surgery. We just actually talked to Kendall Graveman about this. Uh, you talked to Chris Bassett about this. Everybody wants to act like, oh, it's an easy procedure. You just go under the knife, and 12 months later, you're back throwing. And that's not the case for everybody. It takes time for you to trust it. It takes time for you to know you're healthy. And I'm sure you've had to deal with a lot of players who have gone under the knife. Yeah, and the one thing that they all speak about is the the mental hurdles that you have to get over at the very end. You know, when the doctors have cleared you to, to pitch – at 100% effort and 100% velocity and, you know, getting past that, that barrier of, is this going to be okay? And, uh, you know, to, to the man, they, they are, they have put in so much time in the rehab process and they've made their bodies and, and arms so strong again that, you know, usually that doesn't take long, but it's still not an easy thing. And it's nothing that should be taken lightly, lightly from an outsider's perspective, hey, you know, this guy got Tommy John. He'll be, he'll be back in a year and better than ever. Well, there is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours that, that go into that player getting back to where he was or even at a better level. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. You know, one thing that's uh, f- fun to think about is Tyler Salderstrom. His father, Steve, was a first-round draft pick by the Giants out of Fresno State. He played for the San Jose Giants, and now his son is working out in the same ballpark he played in. Uh, when you look at Tyler, what do you see in this young catcher, the first-round pick for the A's? Well, he's, he's got one of the more advanced bats I've ever seen for his age. Uh, I think he has three home runs and, and you know, live, live games so far this this uh, summer session with us and for, for him to come in and have that kind of ability, not only ability, but confidence to, to really let his skills shine in this kind of a scenario he's opened a lot of people's eyes that haven't seen him play. And he is, he is impressed across the board with his, uh, his demeanor, um, his bat and his ability and, and hunger to get better. So he's, he's been a, really fun kid to be around so far and and i'm telling you that that is something special you know if we were talking to you in las vegas right now it'd be 105 degrees has it been a a california summer where it's like 82 degrees 80 degrees every day it's been amazing here um that's one thing that's been just a huge positive for us is we're we've had consistent weather 80 85 every day a little bit of a breeze to keep it cool and uh, no rain. So we, we've been very lucky in that aspect. And just just overall, San Jose has just uh, been very, very positive on, on all fronts. 
Yeah, you know, we I, I, I moved here in 1991 uh, to go to school and play ball at San Jose State, and I've been here ever since. And uh, I just think it's great that you guys are so close to Oakland. And, and, you know, we're seeing this, you know, the Giants have their guys up in Sacramento. It's just it, the fact that we can still be playing baseball right now at the big league level and plus have these alternate sites are really good. But how do you, how do you feel and have you talked to a lot of guys that you have managed who are not playing right now, and how's their mental mindset of not having minor league baseball? Well, it's it's not good. I mean, it's tough to to be in what some of these guys are in the prime of their career and, and not not have a season and not have a chance to to get better and not have a chance to produce and show the organization, you know, what you can do and how you can help and how you can get closer to being a big leaguer. And that's I think the the most difficult part of this and really the most sad part of it is there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of players across the country that just have a lost season. And, you know, you, if you think about the perspective of what actually is going on in the world, it's not the worst thing, but at the same time, it's the industry we're in. So it's, it's obviously talked about a lot, thought about a lot. And you, you just hope that everything gets back to some sort of sense of normalcy so that, you know, we can, we can play baseball again as we know it next summer. Yeah, I feel bad for those high school seniors who lost their senior year, whether it's high school or it's college or just it's just uh, it's been really rough for all sports, and especially for baseball. But we always love chatting with you. It's great to have you in town. Uh, continue working with the guys and having great success. And we'll talk soon. OK, thanks so much. There he is. The great friend Reardon. Yeah, you kidding me? Being in San Jose versus Las Vegas right now? Where it was a nice 80 degrees in San Jose in the South Bay today, where it was like 105 in Las Vegas? Pass. It's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. Yeah, pass. It's like living in Pennsylvania my entire life, and it's like, oh, it's only 80 degrees, but like, you know, the with the humidity, it's like 100 degrees, and... The, I think the worst thing I've ever experienced is when I moved out here at the end of 2012, and I went back home in the summer of uh, 2018. I went to the All-Star Game in D.C. when Blake Trinan and Jed Lowry were the A's representatives. And I was I remember we drove from Pittsburgh to Philly to D.C., and we got to D.C., and it rained. And we don't have to worry about humidity out here. And it rained. I literally was in the clubhouse after when we were interviewing, like during the uh, media scrums, sweating because that's how hot it was in D.C. From waiting outside to doing that, then going outside and sitting in the stands for the All-Star game, that was the most miserable I've ever been in my life, and I grew up in that heat. I never want to go back to that again if I don't have to on a full-time basis. You ready for a little buying or selling? Or do you want Angels news first? Oh, Angel, there's Angels news. So – Joe Madden, speaking to the media in L.A., said that Joe Adele will be the everyday right fielder. Brian Goodwin and Justin Upton are going to platoon in left field. Yikes. Great for Joe Adele. Yikes that Justin Upton's going to have to platoon, and you're still paying him for two more years after this. That's not good. And uh, he says he doesn't anticipate Shohei Otani pitching again in 2020, but they haven't given up on him on being a two-way player just yet. I know I want to see it like a legit two-way player, a guy who could pitch in the all-star game and hit in the all-star game. Be incredible. Or, you know, see him 
hit hitting the home run derby and pitching the all start the all star game. That'd be the the like the greatest thing ever seeing that happen. <laughs> Let's do buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Well, you know, coming up next is uh, game one of A's Rangers. Jesus Lazardo and old nemesis of the past year, Lance Lynn, on the mound. And you can catch A's total access with you, Vince and Ken and Ray and Fran Reardon and Scott Emerson on A's Cast and the A's Radio Network. And you can catch the game on NBC Sports California. First pitch is scheduled for 6:10. Pre-game is at 5:15. So 2020 hasn't been kind to my beloved Pittsburgh Pirates so far. They're 2-9, and nine, and I wrote this before they lost the game today. I already knew they were going to lose. They can't hit, they can't pitch, and, well, they really can't do anything. Now, ESPN had a bold statement that I'm okay with for this season. They said the Pittsburgh Pirates will set the modern-day record for worst winning percentage in a season, currently, currently held by the 1916 Philadelphia Athletics at uh, around 24%. Um, that will translate to 14 wins in a 60-game season, which is on pace for a team that was 2-7 and seven with a team batting average of 177 at the start of play on Monday. They could be using the Astros strategy for tanking here to get the number one pick, which would be one of two pitches from Vanderbilt and Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, son of Al. Buying or selling, the Pittsburgh Pirates will have the worst winning percentage in the history of Major League Baseball after this season. Are they going to be the worst team? I'm going to I'm going to uh I'm going to sell that. Oh, you're giving There's a lot of bad there's 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 quite a few bad bad teams out there. You're giving so, me hope. I, that, that, I, I I you know, it's it's basically you took the Pirates, I'm taking the field. Yeah, I mean it's probably not a good call on my part for taking just one team when uh we still have a full potentially having a full season next year and it's so early right now no not really it's not early but it's so early where a team could still be really bad um i, I don't want i want to i don't want to see them go that you know have the worst season but i also do want to see them have the worst season i'm i'm conflicted as a fan but you know whatever the a's are winning it's all that matters so the state of ohio has seen great starting pitching from their uh both their teams this year the indians and and reds the Indians might have the best pitcher in the AL right now, and that's Shane Bieber. Now, I wrote this before he um, gave up a home run to Nicholas Castellanos earlier, but Bieber came into the game with being 2-0 and not allowing a run yet this year. After his six-inning, 14-strikeout performance on opening day against the Royals, the right-hander had 27 strikeouts on the year, which was tied with the Dodgers' Carl Spooner in 1954 for the most by pitcher in his first two outings of the season, according to Elias. Now, if he got, I think if he got 10 more or so, he would be right around Nolan Ryan and and Garrett Cole for a three-game stretch after today. Bieber, Bieber established a new American League record passing Nolan Ryan's 25 strikeouts through two starts in 1978. Buying or selling, Shane Bieber has already locked up the AL Cy Young Award. Selling, stop it. There are some people who believe that. I, I, I'm selling, too. But, you know, I figured I'd ask. So it's been a good season so far for Bob Townsend's Friars, the San Diego Padres. They won last night versus the Dodgers 5-4. Chris Paddock moved to 2-0 on the year. Trent Grisham, the guy who blew it for the Brewers last year in the wildcard game, hit his fourth home run of the year. Will Myers hit his third. Fernando Mania, Fernando Tatis Jr. hit homer number three. All of these 
came off of Walker Bueller, the Giant or the Giants, the Dodgers ace. Yes, he's their ace now, even though Clayton Kershaw's still pitching. The Padres lead baseball in runs per game at 5.8. When the hell was the last time you heard anyone say the what? Padres lead serious? baseball in runs? Yeah, 5.8 runs per game. Now, let's equate that to the last place team in the NL West, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They have scored 27 runs in 10 games. Buying or selling the San Diego Padres will make the playoffs in 2020. Yeah, I'm buying that. Uh, they, I didn't uh, realize they were scoring. Yeah, because you remember, it's like, you got to move the fences in at Petco. It's too hard to hit. Yeah, uh, 5.8 runs per game. Uh, Fernando Mania is carrying that offense. And uh, our guy Manny Machado hasn't even gotten started yet. He, maybe he's still not trying it. We don't know. Is, is he trying this year? Uh, we, I, I can't confirm or deny it. I haven't seen his name anywhere, so I don't know. I, I don't know what he's planning on doing. So we'll have to we'll have to see. Hey, so, uh, did you see the highlights? I saw the game. Walker Bueller was throwing like 92-93. Yeah, that, that seems like his velo might be a little down. But Kershaw pitched the other day against Arizona, and he looked really good. I saw Richard Justice, friend of our program, said that uh, he looks like himself again. He had one start. Let's pump the brakes on saying um, he's still the greatest pitcher of his generation, but I, I, I don't I don't know. He gets hurt too often anymore to, to say that he's back to his old self, but, I mean, we'll, we'll see how he transitions going into his next start. So, remember last year when the Mets made the deal to, to get Edwin Diaz from the Mariners? He let all of baseball on saves in 2018. Oh. <laughs> Well, since then, his Mets career, one of his numbers earlier. But, hey, let's do it again for the new audience. 44 innings pitch. This is in the ninth inning. 44 innings pitch. A 725 ERA. 16 home runs allowed. 79 base runners allowed. 978 OPS. Eight blown saves. The Mets have gave up a lot of their pieces of their future, like Jared Kalenic. To acquire the 26-year-old closer and Robinson Cano. Don't you know? Now you know he's on the I.L., today as well. So the Mets season is continuing to spiral downhill. Buying or selling the Mets need to replace Edwin Diaz as their closer. Uh, yeah, He's terrible. <laughs> uh, I mean, the numbers. I mean, you read it. I mean, the it's terrible. It's, I, I, I cannot believe how bad they are. I mean, it, this guy with this guy was un. He was unhittable in Seattle, and now he's batting practice, and he's still throwing that hard. It's crazy. Yeah, it's. Every, I feel like every time he's in a game, I'm, I sit there and I'm like, is he, is he going to blow it? Is he going to blow the game today? And they like Seth Lugo a lot, and he's a nice piece to have out of your bullpen. He's a he's a spot starter, and he pitches well late in games for them. But I mean, he's not the answer. I mean, I don't think you can give up on Diaz to just yet. I mean, like I said, he led baseball in saves two years ago. For that was two team. years ago. Yeah, well, that that ties into that whole thing we talked about earlier about the are we seeing the end of the dominant closer? This is a guy that was a dominant closer two years ago, and he can't get anybody out now. So I don't think you give up on him yet. Maybe you let him pitch in less um, lower leverage situations to build himself back up. It it's just it's not good uh, right now for Edwin Diaz. So let's keep the Mets train going here. We often joke about our beloved Mets. If Jacob Degrom. If it's not Jacob Durham getting run support, although he got some last night, he moved to 30 and 37 over the last three years. The Mets did in his starts. Yoana Cespedes uh, opted out. They got the, the sale that's going on. You had that, that bracket that was released, uh, what was that, last year, about all the horrible things that have happened in Mets history. But the one thing that might be the most tragic is what happened to former A. Jed Lowry. 
Lowry signed a two-year, $20 million deal after the 2018 season to play with the Mets. He played nine games last year and hasn't played since. Is now 36 years old. Brody Van Wagenen, the Mets GM, said that Jed is dealing with PCL laxity or looseness of his knee, and he's on the 45-day IL. Buying or selling Jed Lowry will never play again in Major League Baseball. Oh, wow. That's a really tough one, man. I know it sucks, but like it's. Yeah, I mean, I like Jed a lot. Uh, I, I'd have to. You say, will he ever play again? Yeah. Um, I would probably say no, and I hate to say that. Oh God, I hate to say that. Yeah, it, it doesn't look likely right now, and it's it's sad. But I mean, the the looseness of the knee, like that's just not a good sign for a guy and, that's been and injured. He's not young. He's thirty six. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm glad he made the money, and he was a great Oakland A. I'll tell you right now, he, he was a great Oakland A. What is it with the Mets and, and their 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 track track record of um, bad contracts? And this is nothing. They didn't know this was going to happen to Jed, but Jed's deal, Cespedes, um, Bobby Bonilla, just so many guys have had these bad deals for them. Like the only one that looks like it's going to pay off for them. Barring an injury, is Jacob Degrom because he just oh no, that's the kiss of death right there. That is the kiss of death. If you, if you want to watch a good video, we're um, there's a video from the pitching ninja Rob Freeman who will be on our show tomorrow to talk about Jesus oh, Lazardo. Nice. He he uh, sent out a video of um, the bat that Freddie Freeman had against Jacob Degrom last night. The three pitches he threw were like a, a wicked slider that uh, Freeman couldn't even see, then a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, and then another pitch was like 95. Freeman struck out on three pitches, and he was like shaking his head and talking to himself like, I can't believe that just happened. Uh, it was pretty incredible, but uh, I hope I didn't distill the kiss of death for Jacob DeGrom. So, I'm looking at a picture on the New York Daily News website. It's Jed Lowry with this monster brace on his knee. And this is the this is the article to tell you that they put him on the IL. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm buying. Unfortunately, is that it? No, we, we still we still got a couple more to go. We're, we 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 have about I don't know, eight minutes still, less than that. After spots. Wait, wait, wait what time am I on? Five fifteen. But Azel Knight's a shorter one. That it's only eight minutes, so we have time to fill. We'll get All it. Right. I, I've got a couple more. So let's stick on the match uh, train. Hey, 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 by the way, why do you need Mookie Betts? Jock Peterson is hitting 417, five home runs in his last six games at Petco Park. What's his uh what what he what does he do defensively? Because uh, Mookie's the best right fielder in baseball defensively. Did, didn't we learn today? It does not matter <laughs> what you do defensively. Actually, I needed to go. I'm going to pull that up real quick. Let's see what Cassianos is doing right now because uh, it's two nothing Reds. He um he is now well he's one for three. Uh, yeah, you know, take the MVP away from him. He's only hitting 378 now, so it's not good. All right, so last Mets won. The Mets are falling apart. They're two and seven. Then maybe they'll win tonight. Or no, three and seven. Sorry, they won yesterday. They can't win games for the best pitcher, but they did yesterday, which is weird. Now Cespedes is not playing. After being not able to find him on Sunday, the Mets found out he was opting out through his agent for the 2020 season, which ends a four-year, $110 million deal signed by his agent, now Mets GM Brody Van Wagenen. Cespedes will be 35 in October, and he mentioned back in 2017 that he wanted to end his career with the Oakland A's. 
Well, 2021 could be that year if he signs no, a... No, no, no. You don't want you don't want with the ace? I don't know. I saw people on ace fans on Twitter. Would love to see Yo back. All right, last uh, one. Are you a fan of the seven inning double headers, buying or selling? Buying. Okay. Like, 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 Yoannis Cespedes has been a train wreck. Why would you want him back? Uh, maybe, maybe the bright lights of New York got to him, like Sonny Gray did with the Yankees, and he feels more comfortable in a low in a smaller environment. I mean, that's. I I don't have the answers to that, but I mean that could be something to think that could be playing a part. And how old is he now? He's thirty four years old. He'll be thirty five in October. Yeah, you don't really need him to DH, but people are saying, "Oh, put him in left field." He had, I like Mark Canna. Yeah, have can you I have Mark Canna? Have you seen the injuries Assessment's had to his lower body the past that like, year and a half? Yeah, he's not playing the outfield anytime soon. And, and by the way, do you really think he's thirty-four right now? Um, well, I, yeah, I do, until I see otherwise. But who was the player that okay. had the, the the bad age? Um, it was uh, like Miguel Tejada. Tejada. There was does da- it Danny Almonte, the kid that was saying he was twelve, but he was like he was really like thirty <laughs> in the Little League World Series. <laughs> oh god! I remember all the team from the Bronx, and everybody played into that story. Yeah, and then you found oh, out he was god, way older than he fraud. really was. Yeah, so that's it. That's all the buying and selling today. Uh, who are we gonna be uh, playing in uh, A's total access? Uh, the great Fran Reardon talking about what's going on at San Jose, Jesus Lazardo, and James Caprillion making. His uh, getting oh. his day call up to the major leagues, and then Wait Vince has Scott has emo. Vince has emo. Wait a minute. Hey, emo was giving me crap about he hasn't been on the show. Like we we don't care about him anymore. Yeah, I saw. What did he say? You don't write. You don't call no more. <laughs> yeah, there are two stories about Yoannis Cespedes' decision to opt out floating around Mets clubhouse. I've I've now been on a deep Mets dive here. The first story details that Cespedes or his agent let the Mets know Sunday morning that he was opting out. The second story mimics that the Mets management, general manager Brody Van Wagenen, did not find out until the eighth inning of Sunday's 4 nothing loss to the Braves. Huh. It's All a, right. Either way, it's it's a it's a disaster. What's going on with the Mets yeah, right now? Yeah. Either way, it's a bad luck. Beltran fired. Right. Fired with never pl- managing a game. Yeah, it's been a mess for the Mets the past uh, six months. So we're gonna go to A's all night, and then I'm back in ten minutes. Yeah, you're back at five fifteen for A's total access. Thank you for everybody. Uh, thank you to everybody who listened today. We appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow from three to five o'clock. Who are we gonna have? We're well, Ray Fossey tomorrow because tomorrow's Wednesday. Oh, the best. And we're going to have the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman, and uh, I'm efforting either Lazardo or James Caprellian, so we'll see. All right, great job today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.